0: Welcome to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. We are now in our God is Able sermon series. In this life, it is so easy for us to settle for the ordinary. We wake up and typically have the same routine every single day. Yet our God created us to live an extraordinary life. There is no one in the world exactly like you, and God wants you to reach your full potential. This involves us growing deeper and deeper into Christ while following Him every day. His plans for us are immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. So let's trust Jesus and live out our extraordinary lives. Let's listen in.
1: Amen. Well, um, I I just wanna say it again. I love family dedication so much. There's such a special moment in the life of our church and the life of those families in general, but but especially in the life of our church and uh, just that reminder of what God is uh, called us to do to raise up that next generation and, and the commitment that we have as a body across all of our campuses and specifically here just to say we're going we're going to raise up the next generation of, of believers of those who follow Jesus and and love him and are loved by him and, and make a difference uh, in the world uh, for his kingdom uh, if you have your Bibles I want to invite you to open up to Ephesians chapter 3 we're going to be in verses 20 and 21 uh, not only this week but for the next several weeks we'll be in these two verses last week we began A series called God is Able. Uh, and we're working through the book of Ephesians, through these two verses in Ephesians. And this, this passage that we're working through is really a foundational passage for Rolling Hills. As we began uh, 20 years ago, this was a passage that, that was put on Pastor Jeff's heart. And, and it's really kind of been that foundational, that, that groundwork for who we are and what we do and how we think uh, as, as we look forward. Not only as we look back over the past 20, but look forward uh, to what God has over the next 20 years years and beyond for rolling hills uh, in all of the different locations that God puts us. And last week, Pastor Jeff, uh, as if you weren't here, we we streamed from the Franklin campus and we heard from Pastor Jeff specifically, and uh, he challenged us to memorize these two verses over the next several weeks. And so I thought, better what better way for us to, to memorize those and help help us memorize those than each week kind of kick off by reading that passage together, right? And so uh, Ephesians chapter 20, or no, it's Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, and it should be on the screen for us. We're just going to read these together, right? so here here it is now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Hey, you guys sounded great with that. I think you've already got it. so we'll report to the Franklin campus that uh, Columbia has got it completed. Uh, we got an A on that already, so uh, let, let me pray for us, and then we'll jump into a couple uh, a couple things I want us to hear from these passages, this passage this morning. Lord, we just uh, we thank you so much for what you are doing here, and God for these for these words in Ephesians that just remind us that you are able, that you are able to do immeasurably more than we can even imagine. God, we just pray that we would be we would be believers, we'd be followers of Christ that believe these words and ask things that are beyond our, our imagination, that are beyond what the scope of what we can accomplish and, and lean only on you to accomplish your work and your will in the world that you've put us in. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen and amen. So as we begin, last week as we began this, what we did is we, we focused on those first three words of the passage where it says, now to him, and, and what we talked about is that it starts with God, right? And sometimes we, we forget that, we forget and lose perspective, and, and our problems get bigger than, than God in, in those places where, where our perspective shifts, and we begin looking at those things more than we look at God, but, but what we called back to is that reminder that it begins with him and it, it sticks with him, that he is who he says he is. And when we look at him, our perspective changes. When our eyes are focused on him, that on his sovereignty and his power and his provision and his perfection, his, his presence with us, that he's personal, our perspective begins to change and the problems begin to shrink and he becomes bigger. And this week what we're going to do is kind of move just three more words uh, into the passage. It says, now to him who is able... And to unpack this, these words, to unpack this who is able, I want to turn to an Old Testament story, an Old Testament passage that, that may be a little bit obscure. Some of you may have heard of it uh, uh, in the past, or book of Joshua. Uh, it's an incredible story of something that God did that really is just, it's, it's immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. And so in that, I want to read this passage in Joshua chapter 10, verses 1 through 15. And just follow along if you have your Bibles. I know I didn't tell you to open up to that passage, but just follow along on the screen. Or if you have your Bibles, you can, you can jump in there. Joshua chapter 10, verses 1 through 15. And this is what it says. Now, Adonai Zedek, the king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had taken Ai and totally destroyed it. Now, there we go. Right from the beginning, we know that God is going to destroy Ai. He's done it in Scripture. He'll do it again. That's what we're praying. I'm just joking. Let's move on. I shouldn't have done that. So he had, that they had destroyed Ai, and, they, and, and, they just, and doing it, Ai and his king, doing to it what, what he had done to Jericho and its king. And that the people of Gideon had made a treaty of peace with Israel and had become their allies. And he and his people were very much alarmed at this because Gideon was an important city, like one of the royal cities. It was larger than Ai, and all of its men were good fighters. And so Adonisetic, king of Jerusalem, appealed to Hoham, king of Hebron, and Piram, king of Jarth- Jarmuth, and J- Japhai, king of Lachish, and Debri, king of Eglon. Come up and help me attack Gideon. And he said, because, because it has made peace with Joshua and the Israelites. In verse 5, and, and the five kings of the Amorites and the king of, Jew, and the king of Jerusalem of Hebron and J- Jamoth and Lachish and Eglon joined forces and they moved up all of their troops and took position against Gideon, Gibeon excuse me, and attacked it. Now Gibeonite, the Gibeonites sent word to Joshua in camp at Gilgal, do not abandon your servants and come quickly to help and to save us, to help us, because all of the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces against us. And so Joshua marched from Gilgal with his entire army, including the best fighting men. And the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hands. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. Verse nine, and after an all night march to Gilgal, from Gilgal, Joshua took took them by surprise. And the Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. And so Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. And the Israelites pursued them along the road to Beth Haran and cut them down on the way to excuse me, and make me- 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 Makeda. I have really worked on this this week, I promise. And as they fled before Israel on the road down to Beth Haran and Azka, the Lord hurled hail, large hailstones down on them, and, the more, and more of them died from the hailstones and were killed by the sword of the Israelites. And on that day, the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, and Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, "'Son, stand still over Gibeon, and you moon over the valley of Aja- Ajalon.' And so the sun stood still, and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies." As is written in the book of Jeshar. And the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a day. Verse 14, and this has never been done a day there's never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to human to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. And Joshua returned all, all with all Israel to the camp at Gilgal. There's a handful of lessons that I think we can pull from these 15 verses. And and really, as I studied this week, One of the the major parts that it really focuses on in, in this passage, in these first 15 verses of chapter 10, is this prayer that he prays and the importance of prayer and the power that is unleashed when God's people do call out to God and pray and ask for specific things. So for the remainder of our time, if you have your worship guide and you're following along, what I want to do is talk about five things, five things I believe that we can learn about prayer from Joshua and the prayer that he prays here in these first fifteen verses in chapter in verse 14 specifically. And the first thing is this that, that we pray, if you're following along, that we pray in spite of past prayerlessness or past failure. If you ever worship God, and you're filling that out, we pray, pray in spite of past prayerlessness or past failure? It would help if we kind of looked back at what got us to this point in chapter 10 and just kind of understand a little bit of the history of what's going on in this chapter and what got us here and and what we know in the Old Testament book of Joshua if we get to this point that the people of Israel are encamped on the other side of the Jordan when we get to Joshua and Moses, the the man that got it appointed as the people, the the deliverer and the the, the leader for the people of Israel, had led those people out of Egypt and led them around the wilderness for 40 years. But Moses has died. And Joshua has taken over leadership of the people of Israel. In the beginning of the book, it, it says that the first five chapters it kind of gives them gives this this the story of them going into the promised land. And chapter six through twelve is really this this interaction, these these conflicts that the people of God in the promised land have with the Canaanites as they engage them in battle and and eventually overtake them. And and chapter 13, chapters 13 through 24 is really where he divides up. And it's it's interesting. I know some of us if you read Joshua 13 through 24, it's it, it gets a little, little thick of just dividing up territories, but it's very interesting. It's very purposeful in what happens there. And then 24, he kind of gives these last encouragements to the people of Israel. But where we are in chapter 10, we're in the middle of those conflicts, of those ongoing conflicts that are happening with the Canaanites. And the first thing that we learn about prayer from this passage, that we pray in spite of past prayerlessness and failures, and that's a lesson that we learn from chapter 9. And if you look in chapter 9, what happens in the short story is these Gibeonites we just talked about, they recognize that, that the people of God, are they're making major headway, and, and nothing is standing against these people as they go in. And so the, the Gibeonites look, and they're like, hey, we got to do something about this. And so they go and make a treaty. They, they, they deceive the people of God, and they make a treaty with them so that they'll protect them. And the treaty works. But there's a key part of the passage in, ver, in chapter 9, verses 14 and 15 that says that Israel sampled the provisions as they, as they were tricking them and, and deceiving them, but they did not inquire of the Lord. In verse 15, it says, Joshua made a treaty of peace with them and let them live. And the leaders of the assembly ratified the oath. At least some of us need to hear this this morning. God had given the people some instructions, and and they were supposed to do what he called them to do. But as as they were deceived, God knew that they were being deceived, but they didn't inquire. Their their pride and their selfishness in that moment got in the way. Their self-confidence got in the way of them asking the Lord for wisdom. And in the midst of that, they were deceived and they made a treaty with the enemy because they didn't pray. Listen, some of us need to hear this morning that, that our past failures don't keep us from continuing to be u- being used by God. Our past moments of prayerlessness can't keep us from, from walking in the confidence and, and the trusting in the God who we, who we pray to. You see, Joshua didn't sit on his failure. He didn't, he didn't wallow in that. He wasn't trapped and paralyzed by his past. In the midst of the battle, he calls on God to do something incredible, and God shows up and does exactly what he asked him to do. Our past prayerlessness, our past failures can't keep us from walking in the confidence and calling out to God today. So we don't disqualify ourselves to what God wants to do in our lives and through our lives because of past failures and past prayerlessness. We walk in obedience to him today. That's the first thing I think we got to recognize from this passage. The second thing is this, that pray, what we do is we pray in alignment with God's will and God's word for God's glory, we pray in alignment with God's will. And God's word for God's glory. There's a story of an 11th century uh, king, and and I, I don't know if it's true. I don't know if it's a you know a myth kind of story. But what what I gather in a little bit of research that I did uh, about it is this uh, this king. His name is Canute. In the 11th century, and he apparently set his throne at the edge on the beach of the the sea and commanded the sea in a loud voice as he sat on his throne not to rise and get his feet or his robe wet. And I don't think I have to tell you that the sea rose and it got his feet and his robe wet. And you can go read the story. There's different versions of why he did this and what happened after that. But the reality is, That we have no power. He had and we have no power to stop the incoming tide, no matter how much we psych ourselves up to think that we can do that. They imagine that we can do those things. God is not committed to our bright ideas in those moments. One of our pastors, teaching pastors, Mike Mentor, said this this week as we were having conversations about this passage. He says, God's not obligated to do what he's able to do. He's only obligated to do what he's promised he would do. He can do all things. He's not obligated to do all the things that he's able to do. He's only obligated to do the things that he's promised that he would do. And so we've got to remember these things and pray in alignment with God's word and God's will and for God's glory. Joshua prays this very specific and bold and outlandish prayer asking God to make the sun stand still so they could finish what he's called them to do. We're going to talk a little bit about the boldness of the prayer in just a second. But we need to make sure that we understand that his prayer was in alignment with God's word and God's will for God's people. And even though even though they had been deceived by this treaty, but deceived by the Gideonites and made this treaty with them, when they called on them, they, they followed through with the treaty that they, had been, that they had made. And that's something we need to think about as well, that, that they had been deceived. And, and when they were called on, they followed through with the treaty. They followed through with the promise that they had made. Isn't that pretty interesting? I think we need to think about that sometimes too. But even though they were deceived, they walked through it and and he goes and he moves out to protect the Gibeonites. And in verse 8, on the way there, it says that God says, don't be afraid of them. I have given them into your hands. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. We got to remember that Joshua, what Joshua requested was totally in line with what God had already commanded and what God had already promised in verse 8. That Joshua could never have prayed like this, could never have asked God to do something this outlandish had it not been in line with what God desired for his people and to do through his people. God had already revealed and spoken to them what he called them to do. And for you and I, we need to be aware of what God's purposes and his promises are. And we do that through the study of God's word and realizing what God is committed to. And when we realize what God is committed to, we call upon him to do the things. We appeal to him to do the things that he's committed to and accomplish those in our lives and the lives of those that are around us. Now, God had spoken to Joshua, and I think it's pretty incredible when we, we get to see that God spoke this to Joshua. But I want you to hear that, that God has also spoken to us. I think a lot of times we're like, I, just, I would do, I would be able to do that if God would just t- tell me what to do. And the reality is that, and it's incredible that God does these things and he speaks, but, but we have way more in our hands than what Joshua had. I mean, we have the very words of God right here. And everything that God desires for us to know about him and, and from him is found in these 66 books that we have that, we call his, that, that is called his word, that everything that we need to know about his will is found right here. We have more than Joshua did. We can know what God's will is. And we spend time with him that we have to prioritize time with God and his word. If you've been around me for a minute, you know that I'm going to spend some time here. I'm going to talk about this because his word says that that it is a lamp into our feet, a light into our path. It says in, in Psalm 19 that it makes wise the simple. It gives joy to the heart. It lights our eyes. It gives us the ability to see what he desires for us. God's word is everything that he desires for us to know about him. And from him, and not only from his word, he he tells us what his will is. I I hear it all the time when when I have conversations, I just wish I knew what God's will was. And I wish God's word tells us what God's will is. It tells us what his mind is. It says in in 1 Corinthians, listen to this. the The person with the spirit makes judgments about all things. But such person is not subject to merely human judgment. Verse 16, for who has known the mind of the Lord or who instructs him? He's quoting something from the Old Testament. But listen to what Paul says. He says, but we have the mind of Christ because the spirit of God lives inside of us. He's given us his spirit to to guide us and direct us. John, Jesus said this in John chapter 16, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he comes, when the spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. We can know what God's will is and therefore we can pray, we can pray prayers that are in alignment with God's will and God's word and that are for his glory because we have his word and it tells us what his will is. The third thing that I think is really important for us to understand or just get from this passage that we pray specific and bold prayers beyond our ability. That we pray specific and bold prayers that are beyond our ability. In verse 12, it says this, on the day that the Lord gave the Amorites, or the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord, we just read this, in the presence of all of Israel, he said, sun stand still over Gibeon and you moon over the valley of Ajalon. Ajalon, excuse me. And the sun stood still and the moon stopped and the nation avenged itself against, on, on its enemies. Joshua said this in front of all of the warriors, in front of all of those that he had brought into battle, right there, in front of all these guys. He couldn't hide it. He didn't sheepishly say it in the corner. He said it right out in front of everybody. He, they knew what he was calling on them. And, and, and now when these guys hear what, jo, what Joshua says boldly and specifically, asking to do, asking God to do something only God can do, that if you take a second and evaluate really how we pray, what what often what we do and when when we pray is we pray these very generic prayers. God help old boy with that situation. Man, that sounds tough. Lord, would you just be with that family? Would you just be with them and be near to them? And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with generic prayer. Sometimes all we can pray is very generic things because we don't know all the details. But but a lot of times this passage and other places in scripture give us this reason very specifically to pray faith-filled prayers. To actually ask God to do something clear, something that we can remember, something that only he can do. And I think there's some benefits of these, of these things that, and, and some, some things that, that stir us and make us stronger And when we do pray this. It, when we pray specific prayers, it requires us to be more thoughtful. It requires us to dive in and to ask questions and to know more about those that we're praying for, about the people that God's put, us, put in our lives to be able to come alongside them and ask God to do very specific things. It, it requires us to be more thoughtful. Praying specific prayers calls us to faith and encourages an attitude of expectancy. Maybe that's why we don't pray so much is because we're afraid of stepping out on the limb, because we're uncertain about what God will do, or will he answer the way that we're asking him, asking him will he answer what we're asking him to do? And so we pray these prayers that are real vague, that hopefully it, he can't help but do those things, right? If we ask God to be near to somebody. He's everywhere. He's near. Check that off the list. It's risky. I, I get it. I, I get it. It's risky to ask God these things. And, and God doesn't always answer the way that we think that he should answer or do exactly what, he, what we ask him to do specifically. And, and, but I love what one pastor wrote. He says, Sim- maybe simply because what we ask is not what God wanted to do or it was a part of God's process in our own lives to bring us into greater alignment with what his will is. However, if we never request with bold faith and we never, we will never experience the joy of seeing God actually answer those prayers. And the more we see God answer those specific prayers, the more we learn to pray according to his will. So praying specific prayers calls us to faith. It calls us to deep faith and encourages us to expect God to do things It. Call, Praying specific prayers brings us to the end of ourselves. Again, bold prayers like what what Joshua prays and what what God's called us to as as followers to pray is is that territory of, of outside of our ability to accomplish. The things that only God can do. And I think about this when, 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 when he prayed when, when he prayed these things, when he asked God to do these things, he was turning the spotlight off of himself and turning the spotlight on him. I can promise you that at the end of the day when, when the sun stood still almost a half day and they defeated this Amorite army and God gave them over to the hands, nobody looked back at Joshua and was like, man, you are the man for that. No, they heard him pray, God, would you do this? And God did it, and I promise it all pointed back to him. Everybody got to experience the joy of what God did when he prayed and asked God to do this very specific thing. It's almost like sometimes we forget that when we pray, that, we're, that we have the ear of the all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present creator and st- sustainer of the universe. And that he's made a way and invited us in to come to him, to cast our cares at his feet because he cares for us. He's invited us to do that. And what I do and what often we do is just ask him to help old boy with his job. And just pray these generic throwaway prayers that really aren't very specific. Praying specifically also encourages us to pray more specifically, to pray more specific prayers. I I love the fact that Joshua had no problem asking God to do something like this because he had seen God do incredible things before. He knew the stories of what God had done and he knew that God would show up to do what he said that he would do in this moment as well. When When we're able to pray those specific prayers, it encourages us to continue to pray specific prayers. Fourth thing is that We pray with awe and confidence to him who is able. Verse 14, again, it says that it's never never been a day like this before or since where God listened to a human. Surely he was fighting for them. I think as I read what was astounding over and over and over, what every one of the, the commentators and the pastors and the theologians that I as reading and preparing and thinking about this, what they all pointed to was not the fact that all of these things happened, that God threw hailstones and, and the sunset. It was the fact that God listened to a man. That, that, that God of all the universe heard the cry of one individual and He stopped the world from turning. Now there's lots of different lots of people have different ideas. I 'm not going to go into all the things that may have happened or what I believe that God stopped the earth for a day. and it's outlandish to think it's ridiculous to think it. yeah it's ridiculous. but you know what's even more ridiculous? What, what's even more ridiculous than this far more ridiculous is that the God of all creation would send his only son into that very creation that had rebelled against him. That he would send his only son, even more ridiculous, that he would send his only son not only just to go to that creation, but to die for that creation so that what that, the places that that creation had rebelled against him and turned their backs against him, that they could, they could be restored to that God who they rejected. It's even more outlandish that God would enter into his creation. Is it crazy that he stopped the earth? Yes, we believe crazy things if you're a follower of Christ. But that's only the tip of the iceberg. It's even more incredible to think that God of all creation would put on flesh and come to rescue you and I. It's ridiculous, but God uses the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. If we don't believe these things, if we don't believe that God would do these things, then, I, then honestly, you praying specific bold prayers, I don't know why you would even be here this morning. If you don't believe that God would do this and that ultimately he would, he would, bring, he would send his son to rescue us, to put on flesh and come and die on a cross to rescue us from our sin is far greater a miracle than even what he did in this, in this story in Joshua chapter 10. The last thing that I want to make sure that we see in this passage is this, that we pray while walking in faith, in faithful obedience to him who is faithful that we pray while walking in faithful obedience to him who is faithful. And Before we jump in, most of you, I think, in your seats as you came in had a, had a small card. And some of you maybe didn't have a card. We ran out, but I think there's some more at the table uh, if you want to grab one or if you want to grab one on your way out uh, this morning. And, and it really is this challenge for us as we kind of work through this this morning to to pray bold prayers. Maybe you've prayed bold prayers for a long time, and, and maybe this is one of those places where you just write this down. You keep this in a private spot for you. Maybe you wanna share that with somebody in a community group or something along those lines. But, but praying some, this praying this writing down a bold prayer and putting it in your Bible, a place that you're gonna to go to back and forth where you're gonna read that prayer and pray that very specific pray prayer over and over again. Because I, I understand that may, maybe this morning, it's not that you need the sun to stand still. You just need there to be peace in your home because there's, there, there's craziness in your marriage or you and your kids or, or you have a, a kid that's wayward or, or maybe there's something that's going crazy with your job. I, I realize that the sun standing still is the farthest thing from your mind. It's really just what God's got right in front of you right now. And I know some of you every week, I read a prayer request from one of, our, one of my good friends every week when he prays for his son and his daughter-in-law. As he and his wife pray for his son and his daughter-in-law every week faithfully that God would open their eyes to his salvation and that he prays for their salvation every week. That's the kind of big, big prayers I'm asking. What are the big things, the big, bold, audacious, crazy things that only God could do that you're praying? Write those things down. I want you to write them down, put it in your wallet, put it in your Bible, put it on the the mirror, wherever you're going to see it over and over again. As we come back to this, though, I I want to remind you of this, of what God's word says, that we pray while we're walking in faithful obedience to him who is faithful. It's outlandish, crazy that God would listen to a man it is. It's crazy that, that God would listen and, and move on his behalf to make the sun stand still. But he listened. What, here, here's what I want you to hear. He listened to a man who was already walking in obedience, who was already radically committed to completing the call that God had given him. A man that believed that God was able to do something more incredible than he could even think about. Once again, we see this biblical principle. Tony Evans says this. Once again, we see this biblical principle repeated in the book of Joshua that those who want to see God act in their situation are called to demonstrate faith in him by obeying him. God promised Joshua that Israel would would defeat the Amorite kings, but victory wouldn't happen unless Joshua and the Israelites stepped out in obedience with sword in hand miraculous intervention on our behalf when we pray big prayers which we need to pray which God has called us to pray but miraculous intervention on our behalf on the behalf of God's people doesn't happen unless we put our faith into action hailstones didn't fall for the army of God until they marched and those those who were and when those on earth were obedient heaven intervened in history for them. It's like what God, in this place, what God did is he didn't tell them. He didn't tell them what he was planning to do. All Joshua and them knew is that what God required of them. And sometimes we, I I hear a, a fair amount of time, just waiting for God to do this thing in my life. I'm waiting for God just to restore my marriage. I'm waiting for God to bring my kids back. I'm waiting for God to, to do this thing in my life that, that really only he could do. And, and, and we, we have this position of waiting. And he does say, wait on the Lord, right? There, there's clear that we wait on him, but we don't wait on him while not, be at, while not actively obeying him. The waiting is an active obedience to him. And maybe sometimes he's calling us to act in obedience to him before we'll see him do the things that we're asking him to do. I mean, if there's if, if maybe maybe you want to see victory over some sin or some habit, and, and really what God's calling you to do in and seeing that victory over that sin is to act in obedience and delete that app on your phone that you keep looking at that causes you to sin. Maybe the first step in seeing the victory is obedience to the one who's called you to that kind of holiness. Maybe if you want to see victory and and, and restoration in your marriage and, and God to do something only He can do in your marriage, the first step is to act in obedience to Him as a man of God or as a woman of God and serve your spouse the way that He's called you to. You can wait on Him all day long, but we wait while we're obedient, obedient to what He's called us to do. And then when we walk in obedience, we have that courage and faithfulness to, to ask him to do overwhelmingly, immeasurably more, th- immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine kind of things and watch him pour out his power to overflow in our lives. I believe we need, we need to hear these things this morning. We need to be encouraged that God, that to, to pray these kind of prayers, that God has called us to pray these kind of prayers, that, that we align those prayers with his word and that we continue to pray and, and we don't give up, but we walk in obedience to God's word until we see God do the things that he's called us to do. Until we, until we see him do those things that we've called out to him to do on our behalf. Because he is able, he alone is able to do these immeasurably more kinds of things that we're calling out for him to do. But he does it when we walk in obedience to him and his word, no matter what the cost. And and one of the things, especially at this point in, in our our year, I think it's always interesting that God's called us not only to, to join the body and to worship and this to commit to being here, to, to worshiping together with the body. It's not a, it's, we don't earn salvation, right? But we, we're called to worship with the body, but we're also called to spend, to do life together. And that's why we spend time talking about community groups. We believe that, that life happens and, and transformation happens better in circles than it does in rows. And what we mean by that is that God, God does great things as we gather like this in rows. But when we circle up together and we live life together and we look across the circle and share life together and we share those big, those big prayers with others, that God does crazy things as he, as he encourages us through the body in those places. So I want to encourage you that maybe one of those steps this morning of obedience is finding a community group for you to, to get involved with. To make that next step, maybe that next step of obedience is of baptism or or figuring out about partnership and and what it means to be a part of Rolling Hills. I don't don't know what that next step of obedience is for you, but I I do believe that today, if it is community groups, that we have a place for you to do that. And I believe that you won't regret joining in and jumping into that, that spot and seeing God move in your life. And seeing God transform your life. And then on the other side of it, seeing God do incredible things as we pray specific prayers in those places together. I wanna pray for us and just ask God just to to bless this time, just as we close this morning, invite our ushers to come. Because as we gather week in and week out, it's a time of worship and a time of celebration and a time of asking God to do things that are far beyond what we can do and what we can ask or imagine in our own minds. We want him to pour out. And honestly, over the past several, several years as we started, I believe that I've seen God do that through you guys. And one of those main, main ways is the way that you give. The way that you say, these things are not mine, I want to give them back to the Lord. I want to trust the Lord with my finances. And I just want to thank you guys for that. Because it really is in a church where, or in churches right now all over the United States, as we see, you know, places that that are folding because they just can't pay the bills, we continue to see God pour out. And I just thank you for that. And I want to ask you to continue just to to give and to give faithfully and and thank you for doing those things. And and as as a body, uh, I want you to know that what we commit to as a church is to use those gifts and offerings that you give, those things that you commit to the Lord for His glory and for His gospel to be spread to the ends of the earth. And so I thank you for giving and uh, for giving proportionally and sacrificially. And if you are a guest, we certainly are not asking you to give anything this morning. We would love for you just to drop that connection card in the offering as it goes by. But I want to pray for for our service and then also for the the offering. And then uh, I want to share with you just one more thing about uh, this morning or share one more thing for this morning before we uh, pack it up and, and, and head home this evening. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we thank you for the fact that you have called us. You say, come to me. You've made a way for us to come before your throne, to boldly come before your throne. And to bring our, our, our cares and our concerns and lay them at your feet. And your word says that you care for us. And so we can trust that, that you care for us and that you know us. And God, we want to bring big things. We want to bring big and specific and bold prayers to you. And we want to pray that you would move and align us with your word. We want to pray, God, that you would give us the courage to ask these things and also give us the courage to walk in obedience to you no matter what the cost. And, Lord, I want to pray this morning, friend, and I thank you for the ways that you've poured out, ways that you've called people and, and they've responded in giving faithfully and sacrificially and proportionally and saying and declaring and worship to you that, that God, that you are their God and their money is not their God. And they have, they've opened their hands to, to, to put those things in your hands. And, God, we pray that we would be faithful in using those gifts for your glory and for your gospel to be spread to the ends of the earth. God, we love you and we thank you that that you've loved us first, you love us best, you love us always, and that your love never fails. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen and amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. Be sure to share this episode with any friends and family in your life who may benefit from it. And make sure you subscribe to be notified so you never miss a sermon. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.